tell you a story. A good omens podfic, written by Javan and read by John. Summary A letter written for a friend telling the story about the local business owners. Dear Sarah, The last year has passed in a blink of an eye, and finally I find the time to tell you about it. The end of year is always the opportunity to look back. I would like to tell you about my special experience. This year I finally made it. I got a spot in Madame Tracy's coveted painting classes. I was able to devote an entire semester to landscape painting in her home village, Tadfield. You know I'm a big fan of Madame Tracy, and I couldn't believe my luck. Our course began in September and would continue into January, when I was able to study both the blustery English autumn and the delicate blowing snow. Packed with my equipment and the thickest wool socks I own, I plunged into the adventure. On the last weekend of August, I arrived in the small town Tedfield in the south of England. It really is a picturesque spot. Cobblestone streets, small family homes, and beautifully landscaped front gardens. The village is surrounded by wide meadows and small embankments, a little agriculture, and lots of nature. Anathema and Pepper took part in this year's course beside me. I can hardly wait to see them again after the winter vacations. Peppa is young and lively and extremely talented. She won the class as a prize in a competition for young artists. Anathema is a little older, but seems about my age because of her clothes and her very spiritual streak. We get along very well, although sometimes it seems like she's not in Tedfield because of the class, but because of a prophecy. Apparently her great-great-great-great-great-aunt has foreseen the future, and Anathema, according to this prediction, was supposed to attend this course to set something in place to restore the order of heaven and earth. Personally, I dare to doubt this, but she is excellent company, and we have a lot of fun together. We all stayed at the only guest house, which is also the best cafe in Tadfield. And so we met every morning for breakfast in the cosy, somewhat old-fashioned guest room. From here we have a perfect view on the small business street of the village. We watched together how people went to the butcher and the baker, the small bookstore or the florist. The bookstore and the florist directly across the street and perfectly in our field of vision. Every morning at half past eight on the dot, the two owners would open the stores and start decorating the sidewalk in front of the store. It was always just little things, but they looked picked out and stylish. Pepper had already started drawing the lovely arrangements on the first day. One morning in early September, the florist placed an old lawn chair in front of his shop window and recreated a beautiful sunset with various gods and flowers in the most glorious shades of red and yellow. 
The bookseller, his name is Aziraphale, Tracy told us so, placed three tangerine crates stacked in a tower that day and filled them with a wide variety of books so that the bags resembled a small mountain landscape. The weather was gorgeous, but the wind was so strong that Tracy decided we would spend today at the cafe. We got our painting supplies, ordered a few more cups of tea, and began sketching the surroundings. That day, Tracy told us that the two store owners had a little competition every day to see who put up the prettier decorations. Even on the rainy days, the two had little tents and umbrellas with which they decorated the street outside their windows. And that there was another special feature in the competition of the two, but we had to see that for ourselves. So we drew everything that came under our brushes. I tried my hand at a stylish tea set with its floral patterns, and Peppa sketched every person who walked past the little cafe. Did I mention how extraordinarily talented this young lady is? Around noon, we could see Crowley, the florist, sneak out of his store and peek into the bookseller's window. Apparently, he felt unobserved, because a moment later, he began to turn over the lovingly sorted books in a boxes so that the mountain landscape was upside down. Then he disappeared back into his store, as if nothing had happened. Completely puzzled, I looked at Madame Tracy, but she just smiled and gestured us to keep looking at the road. A few minutes later, Aziraphale stepped out of his store and walked leisurely across the street. He looked at the flower arrangement at length. Then he looked around mischievously, as if to make sure he was not being watched. With deft moves, he transformed the sunset into a handsome mess, almost like an explosion of color. Then he went back to his store, looked at his work, and pulled a cookie from the pocket of his beige jacket, which he nibbled slowly, almost as if he was rewarding himself for his work. The three of us couldn't get out of our stupor until Madame Tracy started laughing heartily. Well, don't worry, my dears, she began to tell us. They do this every day. According to her stories, this strange behavior started about two years ago. No one knew anymore who started to change something in the other's decoration, and just as little did they know the reason why it had all began. But it was a fact. Every weekday, the two decorated the walkway in front of their store, and every noon, they changed something about the other's decorations. As far as Tracy knew, the two never spoke a word to each other and were never heard saying anything about each other. There were only a handful of exceptions, Valentine's Day, Easter and Christmas. Those were the days when they were just too busy to put up their decorations. The whole village knew this game and so we were not surprised that shortly after lunchtime, a lot of people took a little walk through the shopping street. 
The next day we spent again outside in the nearby meadows and forests. But the first week of October was so rainy and stormy that we moved our class back into the warm cafe. Again we watched both businessmen set up their decorations. The weather was really uncomfortable, and so they limited themselves to little things that the rain couldn't hurt. In front of a Xerophil's door was a small table with a folding chair and a heavy teapot decorated with many letters. Crowley had also chosen a small table with a planted bowl. I was trying to capture the perspective between the different rooftops when Anathema suddenly said, Today is the day, and rushed out into the unreal weather. We saw her take the flower bowl from Crowley's table and switch it with the Xerophil's teapot. Then she came back into the cafe, completely soaked, and sat down with us as if nothing had happened. A little later, we saw the two of them step out of their doors almost simultaneously, looking around in confusion. I think I could see the astonishment on Aziraphale's face before he glowered angrily at his counterpart and apparently said some not-so-nice words. Crowley's indignant reply, Why do you think I would do something so distasteful? was heard all the way into the cafe. Then they both went back to their stores, and the decorations remained just as Anathema had put them up. The next day the weather had improved considerably, but we all agreed that we were going to stay in the village for our studies. Everyone was curious about how things would continue with the two squabblers. At first, everything went on as before. The two decorated and did not dignify each other a glance. But around noon, Crowley left his store with a small planted bowl that perfectly matched Aziraphale's book boxes. Shortly after he disappeared, Aziraphale stepped out into the street and placed a few teacups with Crowley's autumnal arrangement. The game continued for a few days. Then we could see the two of them helping each other clean up in the evenings. At first, it was just with small touches, but barely a month after Anathema's little intervention in events, it had become a set ritual for the two of them to call it a day together and help each other clean up. It was around St. Martin that we first saw the two of them disappear into the bookstore together after their work was done. Tracy told us that the good bookseller had created a very well-stocked wine cellar under the store, and we were sure that the two of them drank a few bottles to their new collaboration. Due to the weather, our course took place more and more often in the small cafe, and so we were able to witness this memorable day as well. It was a Wednesday in early December, and both stores did not open. It was already after nine when we noticed that neither of them had unlocked their doors and no decorations were set up. Astonished, we looked at each other. Had we missed a holiday? 
It wasn't until around half past ten that the secret was revealed. The two came together from Aziraphale's apartment, which is above his bookstore. But instead of going to the bookstore, the two came to our cafe. As soon as they were seated, Pepper began drawing them. While Crowley carefully poured his coffee, Aziraphale leaned over the small table and gave him a gentle kiss on the cheek. The red-haired florist blushed almost as much as his hair, but he gave the bookseller an enchanting smile. The two of them are a beautiful couple. I have no idea how Anathema could have foreseen this, but she definitely did some good with her little meddling. I must confess, my landscape painting hasn't improved in the last few months, but now I'm really good at architecture and flower arrangements. So now I really have told enough. I wish you wonderful holidays and only the best for the coming year. Yours, Trevor.